Our gospel reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 16. From that time on, after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels and the glory of the Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. First, I have to say thank you to my daughter for letting me tell the story today. All right. When our daughter was little, she had several favorite stuffed animals. Monkey was one, and a baby doll named Emma whom we found at, the garage, at a garage sale, who lived with a Band-Aid on her head for approximately 11 months. She would often sleep with a whole crew of critters, but chief among them, and unrivaled for her deepest true affections, was Bear. You can see that we really went far for uh, name originality here, Bear and Monkey, but Bear was given to her when she was about five months old and hardly left her side from then on. Bear went everywhere, in the car, to church, to grandparents' houses, to daycare, for nap time, sometimes even on outings to the zoo or other such exotic locations. Bear kept her company, was with her when she was sad or happy, and underneath the sweetness of seeing her hold Bear's little paw in the grocery store or during, during Sunday worship, as parents we carried a little piece of constant anxiety about the worst possible outcome that one day... Bear could get lost. We tried to buy some backups, just in case that ever happened. But because Bear had been a gift from a distant family member, we didn't know where he had come from, and many internet searches could not turn up a replica. And truthfully, even if we had found an exact match, a brand new bear would not be the same, would not have the same worn fur on his feet, slightly chewed ears, wouldn't smell or feel the same as the original. But the more important Bear was to our daughter, the more we fretted behind the scenes. What if Bear does get lost someday? What will we do? Enter technology. We bought a little plastic device with a Bluetooth chip inside of it. And I carefully cut Bear open and slipped in the Bluetooth chip and carefully sewed him shut. And then installed an app on our phones which allowed us to keep track of Bear at all times. This saved us from several tearful bedtimes without him. 
and prompted a number of trips to church at nine o'clock at night, where the app told us certainly, yep, there was Bearer sitting on my desk just waiting to be found. All of which is to say, being lost is not something most of us crave for, them, for ourselves or the people we love, not even for our stuffed animals. We will go to great lengths to avoid it. And okay, sure, sewing a Bluetooth chip inside of a stuffed bear is a little over the top, but maybe not so very different from using GPS to get yourself directions somewhere or an app that lets you keep track of your family members on their cell phones so you know where they are. Even the idea, the prospect of getting lost gives us anxiety, which means we are probably not that happy today to hear Jesus say, those who want to save their lives will lose them. You must lose your life to save it. There's no Bluetooth chip to solve that dilemma. Jesus, of course, is talking about his coming pretty imminent and very real physical death, which is another anxiety-provoking topic. In fact, it makes Peter so nervous, even hearing about this possibility, that he tries to convince Jesus that Jesus must have gotten it wrong. But Jesus insists that the only way to be found is to get lost, that the way to grasp joy is to actually to let go that the way to true life might involve death of one kind or another. Now, because for Jesus this involved his actual physical death, we might be left thinking that that's the only way to follow what Jesus is saying. That the only way to obey this hard commandment is to lose our life in the same way Jesus did. So I'm thankful that paired with our lesson today, we also got to read some words from the book of Romans, chapter 12. A whole lot of the New Testament is made up of letters written by Paul, or people who wrote like Paul, to the emerging Christian community in the Mediterranean. These letters are often named after the communities that they were addressed to. So Romans is to the people, the Christians in Rome. And Ephesians is to the Christians in Ephesus, and Corinthians is to the Christians in Corinth, and so on. You get the idea. Sometimes they're named after a person that the letter was written to, like Timothy. Occasionally, they're named after the person we think wrote them, like Peter. But regardless, reading them is a lot like reading someone else's mail, because actually, that's exactly what we are doing, is reading someone else's mail. It's just thousands of years old. In these letters, we are eavesdropping from a distance on ancient communities who, it turns out, struggle with a lot of the same problems and questions that we still struggle with. The world is different, our lives are different, but underneath, a lot of our questions have not fundamentally changed that much. Those early Christians wondered about what they were supposed to do to live faithfully in the world as God called them to do. They wondered, how do we handle disagreements with each other? What should we do when people whom we love and in our daily lives have much different religious traditions than we do? How do we get along with each other? How should we handle questions about including and excluding 
each other? How do we know what God wants us to do? And then what do we do when we mess it up? All of these questions and more are in those New Testament letters. A persistent question that people ask, and an abiding question in the book of Romans particularly, is what do we need to do in order for God to love us or in order to be saved, to belong to God? And while some of the letters don't answer all of the questions people have, to this question, what do you need to do in order to be loved by God, Paul has a very clear answer. It's a one-word list. Nothing. You do not have to do anything. You are loved. You are saved. You do belong. The question or the decision to love belongs to God, not to us. And God has decided a long time ago on a resounding yes. All the rest of the questions are, what do we do now? What do we do once we know we are loved? We know we belong. We know we are enough. That's the way to read our passage today from Romans with its, if you count them all out, 30 different instructions about how to live in the world. It's not a list of what you have to do in order for God to love you. It's a list of how you live after you know that God loves you. So I'm going to read the list again, but from a slightly different translation, just to give us some, some different words. This is a translation called The Message, and it's a paraphrase, not necessarily worried about being completely accurate, but more about giving us some modern language for this old biblical passage. If, you're, if you want to, I invite you to open up your um, bulletin to page 7, which is where that Romans reading is. You can look at it, look at this traditional um, uh, translation while I read the new one and kind of compare them as we go and see if that pops up any interest, any items of interest to you. So our traditional reading starts, let love be genuine. Here's the different version. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they are down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't try to be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of that. Scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy the person lunch. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. Your generosity will surprise them with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. It's a little different, isn't it? Now, when Jesus says, 
If anyone to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Lose your life in order to save it. I suspect this list of really everyday items is exactly the kind of thing he meant. He did not mean that we have to stay in abusive or unhealthy situations because people have told them they are our cross to bear, which is a particularly manipulative misuse of this passage that's persisted over time. In some situations, it might be that our cross to bear is quite literally like Jesus's, that people have died for their faith and for the sake of the common good, for, for the sake of someone else. But most of us are not going to find that the crosses we bear are shaped quite like that. Instead, our ways of losing our lives, of getting lost, will probably be smaller, less obvious, and yet deeply, critically important as we make our way through this world. What does it look like to lose your life every day, to get lost every day? Well, have you ever half listened to your mother on the telephone while checking your email with your free hand? Let love be genuine. Have you ever tried to beat the harried mother with the six packages in her arms through the door of the post office because you just have one small package and your lunch hour is almost up? Outdo one another in showing honor. Ever sat in a meeting with someone who points out the flaws in every single thing you say? Bless those who persecute you. Putting off calling a friend who's lost his job because you don't know what to say? Weep with those who weep. It's not much on the face of it. But these directions for getting lost for losing our lives every day, will end up getting us lost from the good life as it's frequently defined in the world. All these things, resisting vengeance, persisting in hospitality with people who can't pay you back, praying for your enemies, outdoing one another, not in tolerance, but in showing honor to each other. None of this will make you rich or famous or beautiful or thin. Like a beloved stuffed animal, this kind of quiet, consistent, daily love will wear down your fur, chew up your ears, leave scars and marks you can't erase. Living this way will get you lost. But Jesus also promises that living this way will get you free. Free from anxiety, from fear of failing, or worry about whether you've succeeded enough, free from showing everyone how much you deserve or have earned as if that could finally one day prove your worth. We are here to wonder together, how can we lose our lives every day by making love genuine? Whether anyone notices or not, whether it makes you feel good about yourself or not, just sizing up every situation you're in and pausing long enough to weigh the choices you've got and choosing the one you think makes love most real. 
even when it costs you something. There's no better way to get lost, actually, especially when you remember you are always being held by the one who has found you. Amen.